So Crisp, a tasty bite-sized podcast that serves business, bravery, branding, beauty, sex, love, motherhood, womanhood, feminism, labels, psychology, marketing, messaging, mavenry, musicals, and the mess we call life. All deliciously dished up and ready to consume. In fact, is there anything we don't discuss? Not with Jay Crisp Crow, copywriting queen from Crisp Copy in the kitchen. I hope you're hungry. Crisp listeners, this is a very quick trigger warning to let you know that this episode contains a very brief mention of suicidal thoughts. Please keep away from little ears or your own if you don't think this content is suitable for your own mental health. Most of the women I work with, and it's into the thousands now, women who have hired me to write done-for-you copy, women who have booked one out of three months copy mentoring and coaching packages, women who have completed my courses or downloaded my guides, there's a common thread connecting most of them. They started their businesses because they were brilliantly, shinily, jaw-droppingly committed to filling a particular gap they saw in the market. In layman's terms, that means they just wanted to help someone. It doesn't matter if they sell a product or offer a service, whether they have a company structure with a hefty team or they're solo operators. The women I work with, they're driven by the desire to serve. So what can happen when you're led into the business shiny spotlight by a sincere dedication to a big picture outcome? You can be completely sideswiped by the everyday constant cropping up of issues of running your business on the daily, in the evenings when things go wrong, even when things are wonderful, there's no sugarcoating it because business is hard work. Add to the practicalities of running your business, and I've said it before, business ownership is one of the biggest personal growth adventures that you can sign up for. When you bundle all that up together, what do you have the recipe for? Sometimes success, yes, hopefully, but sometimes also the downside, which is burnout. So getting so crisp with me today is Amanda Freeman, who has the coolest label on the planet. She's an energy alchemist. And we're going to talk about energy. Welcome, Amanda. Um, And shall we start by you telling us why energy is such an important aspect to running any kind of successful enterprise? Yes, thank you. Um, Lovely to be here. Um, I think energy is a part of everything and it doesn't matter what you speak to in, you know, in every area of our life, energy always comes into it. And it's funny when we get to energy work or bringing energy into our business, people are often a little bit offside because it's it takes on this whole other realm of being this mystical thing, but really it's just, it's just energy. (laughs) So it's always interesting when people feel, you know, um, I guess comment on that, that it, it feels strange to them when it's already part of what we do. But I think with being in business, it's so imperative because you only have, each of us only has a certain amount of energy each day. And if we're not really good guardians of that energy, and if we're not conscious of, where we're getting stuck or where we're getting overwhelmed and things like that, that's when we can get into spaces of burnout. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know me, I love a woman with opinions. Uh, You have some ideas around our conditioning as women, which I think is Mm. probably becoming one of my favourite things to talk about. Um, (laughs) Our conditioning as women to give things and to serve and how that like butts up against what we're taught we need to do in entrepreneur land. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. This is something I hear so often whether it's in my one-to-one work or in my groups women have this belief that we are supposed to be the nurturers the givers the doers and I know a lot of women who are in you know have kids are in relationships and are juggling all the balls I'm often told that they carry the big emotional 
labor and the big Mm -hmm. emotional burden. And I do feel that that is in so many situations. And I know from my own upbringing, you know, my mum was always, you know, had not only us, but my cousin's kids and the neighbor's kids, you know, on school holidays. And I remember thinking when I got older, how did she do that? My dad traveled a lot and, you know, he'd be gone for four weeks at a time and she'd have like seven kids running around, feeding them, running the household, you know, doing all this stuff. And that was just like, she would be exhausted, but that was just what was expected. That's what her mum had done and what her mum had done. And so for me, distinctly, my lineage of women were the the doers and the space holders. And it didn't matter if you were tired, like it didn't matter if you were sick, mum had to get up and she had to get everyone in the car and she had to get you to school and then she had to do all the things. And that spoken to me as being really across the board and even like not in not just in Australia like no matter what country this is a really common theme and so we we come into our business expecting the same that we have to give and give and that's where sort of over delivering and undercharging comes in um burnout oh I know that story (laughs) I think everybody knows that (laughs) but it's 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 set in stone like that that you are, and, and not, honestly, it's not just women too. You speak to any man who, who's been, or man or woman who's been in the corporate arena, I have a lot of ex-corporate clients who said the same thing and, and men who have said, you know what, I don't want to subscribe to that culture either of, you know, driving for the dollar, driving up the ladder. Like it's, it's not just, it's not just women, but mm. I predominantly work with women and this has been my personal experience as well with women in business particularly, but yeah, it's huge. It's, and it's, it's so unconscious in so many ways too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think there's also, I, sometimes I feel like in certain communities, there is a feeling that if you, if money, if creating a business so that you can pay yourself is the driving force behind you creating a business that it's somehow less than yeah. our what we should be doing is like serving should be at the top of the ladder. And like, that's so ingrained in us that, that, that we drag it with us to the business world that, um, that need to serve people and give them what they want at the detriment to ourselves and our businesses. Because if, if money's not at the top of your, you know, if making money isn't at the top of your ladder of the top of your little, you know, pie chart, then you can't, have a business no anymore and you can't help anyone i can totally tell you that this is especially the case for women in the service industry the serving industry so coaches healers particularly i mean you know i know uh, a lot of the trainings i've done and a lot of the women i've met like you know actually feel guilty saying that they charge for their work um and i've struggled with this hugely myself in fact i i find it heaps easier to just give my work away for free. Like oh, that's easy. Yeah. Actually charging has taken concerted effort over many years and a deconditioning of that collective belief that if you are helping someone in the healing, coaching, um, caring industry, that you are in some way ripping people off, which is weird because you pay a lawyer and you yeah. don't get that same response. It's so weird. But again, that's another social, cultural narrative isn't it that we've been told some things should be for free and if your um, passion and your purpose happens to fall into one of those categories then it's hard (laughs) it's really hard to overcome that yeah so how did you like okay so energy alchemist is a very cool self-title to decide on how did you become one like what happened I think um 
it's a, it's actually someone else actually gave me a title and I thought that I, love that. Sound, I thought it sounded kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just I just love facilitating transformation. I love seeing up people step into their power. And I guess it came from my own experience of being disempowered after an accident when I was a kid and having chronic pain and fibromyalgia experience through that sort of t- really pivotal teenage period where I had no control over how to manage that. I had no control over who I could visit for help. Um, I had no control of being understand what was happening to my body or anything because that age, you're not, you're still under the care of your parents Um, and your brain is not, you're not even an adult yet. So I couldn't even really conceptualize what, what was happening with in terms of my injury and my own disempowerment. And so when I was 20, I really sort of hit rock bottom, probably sort of between 18 and 20, just after I finished school. And I actually felt really suicidal because I was like, if this is what my life is going to be like of pain and not understanding how to get better and I can't do what everyone else does, I couldn't, I couldn't sustain the normal, um, you know, play, work, uni yeah, culture that yeah. all my friends were doing because my body just wouldn't allow it. Um, And I sort of had this experience of, okay, I have to decide either I'm going to let this take me, you know, take me down and out, or I'm going to look for ways to find some way to be in this world that's not miserable. Um, And I was really lucky that I had a supportive family and I had learned about energy awareness. I came from a family who was very um, proactive with their health and things like that. And so actually someone said to me, "Um, have you tried Reiki? And I tried everything else. I was like, okay, fine, why not? Um, And the session that I had with the lady was really powerful. I felt very nurtured and held, but more than anything else, it was when she said to me, you can learn how to do this for yourself. And it was like the first time someone had ever said to me, oh, you're in control. Like you've, this is your body. Like you can actually heal you can learn how to heal this so you can be functional again yeah and it was like a li- it was literally i remember it was like a little light went on in my heart space mm-hmm. and i went oh my gosh i've got some power yeah you know? oh, and that's, that's yeah. quite a story that's quite yeah. a story do you want copywriting glory and an itty bitty price tag the crisp copy class self-guided course option is a comprehensive copywriting course for women ready to write bank making copy on a bootstrapping friendly budget Over 30 hours of recordings, oodles of downloadable worksheets, tutorials, and structural guides, everything from about pages to sales pages and all the copy in between, all with lifetime access. Wet your whistle at crispcopy.com.au and click the courses tab or check it out in the show notes. You have a bit of a theory about burnout and women entrepreneurs, um, specifically about what happens if you haven't yet hit burnout Um, but you're just living in this deep terror of it happening. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, because it's really interesting because people who, this is also for people who've had burnout before and definitely don't want to go back. Don't want to do it again? Yeah. Um, So this can be really hindering because, um, and it sort of speaks to the fear of success. So people often talk about fear of failure, but this is where fear of success comes in because if you have experienced burnout or you've seen or heard someone else who's experienced it, you really don't want to go through that. And so it sets off this almost like limiting, limiting energy or limiting belief within yourself that actually stops you from stretching and growing because you don't want to be that person who burns out. And Mm. it's, it's a real thing. Like I've seen it happen. I've, I've definitely felt that within myself before because I have experienced burnout. So uh, I think, you know, if we, if we're not conscious of that fear, then it can be part of stopping us. 
Yeah, and it's really interesting your story about the Reiki lady because I, I was much, much further along into my little adventure with chronic illness um, and I remember going to the physio for, um, uh, for pain. I had just, I pulled a muscle in my back. Like it was nothing, mm. um, it was nothing really to do with my chronic illness and all the thing, tricks and all the things I'd ever tried to, to try and fix it or make it better or, as you say, make, just, just get more functional. Mm. But she said to me... Um, she was pushing on certain part of uh, parts of my back and I'd had three cesareans. So it was a really sore spot in my spine anyway. Mm. And she, um, we were talking about fibromyalgia and she said to me, you know, when you've had pain for so many years, your brain can start pretty much lying to you. Yeah. And I, one of the things that really changed the way that I tackled everything is she said, it's okay to feel pain. What your body is doing now is protecting you from any pain because it's just had enough, um, which kind of goes hand in hand with that success thing. Like once you've experienced what the rest of the business world considers success, but you were in it and you felt that it was terrible, mm. you, you really, really want to, you start almost subconsciously building these things to protect yourself from it ever happening again. Not the success part, just all the stuff that you knew came with it. Yes. And so when she said that to me, she was like, it's okay for you to feel pain. It's your job now to retrain your brain so that you can recognize what is dangerous pain and what is just pain. And, I, exactly. and it took that power away from all of that terrible fear of ever feeling that much pain again. And yeah. it really just, re it was incredible. It was like, a, it was just one moment out of 30 years where I went, mm. huh, okay, I'll do that then. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's so true. And I can relate to everything she said as well, because that, that really helped me on my journey too. And I think that speaks to exactly what um, the work I do with women is. It's not about trying to, avoid working hard or stretching because this is the thing like yeah. I guess the comparable thing in business is when we're having that stretch and discomfort in a period of growth and when we're having um, an episode where we've pushed ourselves too far and our energy is just not coping so it's it's really that discernment of oh is this that you know for your example is this just that pain response protection response or am I actually injured mm. and if the same thing applies to burnout and the same thing applies to your energy and your business is and the key really is to knowing yourself. Yeah. And so how, you, if you, if women are thinking that they are kind of, if, if women are listening right now and they're thinking like, oh, maybe I do that. Mm. Um, what, are the, what are the kind of things that people would be doing to themselves if they are holding themselves back from, as you say, the stretch, the good stretch, rather than that we're now in a dangerous zone, you've pushed it too far? Uh, that's a really interesting question. And I think it's a tricky one because we often don't know how to identify that moment. What's easier to identify is when we are in discomfort, in the moment of discomfort to actually look, look closer at that. So there's actually more power in that yeah. than trying to guess um, where they're holding themselves back, if that's what you mean. Because you it's really you have to be like super, 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 super beyond self-aware to be able to <laughs> like, am I doing that thing where I pull myself back? But yeah, you will know. Yeah. yeah. So... I guess in a sense, if we look at it from a burnout sense, if you are holding yourself back, burnout can be a way of doing that. So you actually burn out so you don't have to. Ah, interesting. Okay. Okay. So if you get to that point where you are burnt out, sometimes that can be a stopping mechanism from going to success. No, I'm too exhausted. No, I'm... So for some people, that point can be one way that they're sabotaging themselves. Mm -hmm. Um definitely things like procrastination, shiny object, all those sort of things can be a way of 
holding themselves back. Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, the key is to really saying, okay, when I'm starting to feel that stretch or that strain in that moment, looking at that and identifying, is this stretch, is this growth pain or is this me not working within what's aligned for me? If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe um, that might look like, um, say someone reading a book that says get up at 5am every morning and start your day. Yeah. Oh, I've had business coaches like that. This yeah. is how you do it. You get up at 5am. Like, no, that's no. And are you committed? <laughs> are you really committed if you're not getting up at 5am? And yeah. so you try and apply that, mm, right? That to cookie cutter own... approach to, yeah. 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 And so you're applying that to your, how you work, but really slow mornings are how you work best. If you have that quiet morning and your motivation kicks in at 10. So it's really knowing your energy and yourself and then applying your business and how you operate to that, which is super, super counterintuitive with all the information we're bombarded with about the right and the wrong way to do business. Mm-hmm. So that it's, it's more about looking at, okay, what does work for me? And then when you're in that zone of, of flow and comfort, you are then able to stretch. So it's not, even if you do have a little bit of a fear of burning out or you have a little bit of a fear of success, that's not going to be triggered because you are in your power, right? You're doing things in a way that feels really aligned. Okay. You talk about the shame that comes with, with hitting burnout and you've just like, in one way you've just said that it can be something that we bring in to protect ourselves um, to say, because, because maybe we're not practiced yet enough to say, okay, that's it. I've had enough of that. I need to press pause for a second. We just go that extra mile and then fizzle. (laughs) Yeah. Push and pray. Yeah, that's right. Um, But, but then on the flip side of that, then when you do hit burnout, Talk to us about the shame of that. Yeah. A lot of people do see burnout as something of a failure Mm. or as something meaning you're not enough or as something meaning you'll never succeed. But I think burnout is just a, it's a warning sign. And I think the judgment component that comes in is again, part of that societal culture of other people's expectations and beliefs. But I know many, many very successful entrepreneurs who have had burnout several times. So it's, it's actually, it's a symbol of, again, what we're talking about at the start of how women aren't honoured to look after themselves as part of the journey of who they are. Like it's, it's actually, it's almost more socially acceptable really to burn out yeah. um, in some ways than to say, I need to stop or I need to take a break. So, but then what comes with that is the guilt that you've burnt out, that you've wasted your time and you're now at this point where you have to stop and you have to then, because when you hit burnout, you do actually have to take time to recover. Burnout is, is, you know, where you're exhausted. Burnout is when you've got nothing left in the tank. And so the shame component comes when you have to admit to yourself and, you know, the people around you that I need to stop. I need to rest. I need to look after me. And that's not something we are taught how to do Mm -hmm. or that it's okay to do in society. And especially if you've got underlying chronic conditions, um, you know, and being in, being someone with a disability or a a hidden injury um, in a culture that is very ableist is very, is very challenging. And then you add the layer of running a business as well and you get all sorts of fun trying to navigate that. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you said in your little, in your notes that people are often surprised that they can burn out actually doing what they love. Cause I think there is a bit of a, 
I always hear of burnout stories as, and I feel like they're the end of the story. Do you know what I mean? Like people yeah. did all of this, all of the things, yeah. hashtag all of the things, and then they burnt out. And then if they did restart, they really had to like restructure themselves, what they believed about themselves, their businesses, um, their, the way that they operate things, their teams, so that it didn't happen again. Yeah. Um, so it feels like a, a finish of that story. And then they had to kind of like rebuild literally like your house burnt down and you have to yeah. start from the foundation. Um, but it does, the stories are generally, the, the burnout is connected to all of the parts of the business that maybe they shouldn't have been doing. So I always associate the burnout with um, doing stuff that you, sh- that you don't want to or shouldn't be doing anyway. But you were talking about people burning out, just doing the stuff that they love. Absolutely. And, and both, it happens for both equally like you'll often hear about people you know working in jobs they hate and they leave that job because they were so burnt out yes that and things like that and then they start their own business or you've got the stories of like you've just described of women in business who are doing things that aren't in alignment with their energy and how they operate and then they burn out but also there are lots of stories of people who are doing what they love in an unsustainable way who also burn out and that is really challenging because when you love what you do, you kind of think you'll just have an unlimited amount of energy to support all the people, do all the things, show up in all the places. But that again comes from that idea that we have to do it all alone and that we have to hustle and push. It's not until you can, I guess, identify that we're not meant to do that. We are meant to do this in community. We are meant to have support teams around us and people to outsource to, um, and things like that, that that happens less often, but yes. And that it definitely, it happened to me that that exact situation happened to me. I was so enjoying what I did um, that I kind of forgot to look after myself (laughs) as much as I needed to. I just wanted to keep giving. And, you know, especially because for me, the first 20 years of my life was very, hard like I did yeah Yeah, everything's on hold right you just think oh when when I get better I can do that yeah and so when I found my my joy and I found my passion I was just going to give it all go 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 and yeah so that was a really interesting experience for me to experience burnout doing what I loved I couldn't there's nothing else I want to be doing so it was quite a shock to me and yeah I've since heard this from other women that but how can you burn out doing what you love? Yeah. So yeah. I so what did you do? Thing. How did you how did you sort yourself out? Um, for me, I actually took a break, um, and I actually realised that a big part because what I do was such a big part of my recovery. So reclaiming my personal power and understanding how to listen to my body and honour my own energy levels. Um, I'd actually ident- I'd actually merged my identity with my business. Mm-hmm. And so there was no, there was no Amanda Freeman anymore. There was only my business and all the things I did in that, even though I had my family and things like that, my brain was most often thinking of that and what the next step and who I could help next and what I was going to create. Uh Oh, I do that. It's fine to have that, um, to be all immersed in your business, but there's got to be some separation as well, where you have downtime, where you have time where you're not thinking about that. Um, and yeah, in a nutshell. Um, so, so how I got out of that, I guess, was to kind of just refresh the slate and just step back and go, okay, I'm overgiving here, big time. Yeah. I am all, all of who I am has become what I do. And so, actually, yeah, just di- 
reset the boundaries. I'm like, yes, I do this and I love this. It is, I am not what I do. Yeah. And I am not what I do has been really helpful mantra for me in maintaining my energy and really honoring my boundaries between me and my business. So I am not what I do has meant that I don't answer messenger, you know, messages from people on a weekend or after 5 p.m. Yeah. Whereas in the past, I would be like, oh, someone's needs me or someone they need you. Yeah. 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 You know, all that sort of thing. So it was a, it was a really powerful reset for me and, and then helped me then identify, okay, if I can't give my energy to, you know, running a workshop every single month, plus holding, you know, Reiki shares, plus supporting one-on-one clients, plus doing my mentoring work, Mm -hmm. what is it that I really love to do? for now and where am I going to focus my energy? And that was really hard because this is the thing, when you love all elements of your business, it's different if you, you know how when you really hate something yep. and you go, oh, that's so easy to toss. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. <laughs> Handball that one, yeah. No yeah. problem. But what happens when you are when you love so many elements of your business, but A, I've got fibromyalgia, so that limits me. I've got two kids, I've got two teenagers, I've got a husband, I've got friends I want to see. And so for now... I've chosen the area that I want to focus on. And as my children grow older and as my time availability changes and, you know, who knows what comes next, but really deciding that for now it's okay for me to just support these people in this way. That's what helped me to, yeah, yeah. I guess, reclaim. That's, I, I love I love your story and I wasn't aware of all of it before we started talking today and I had made a note to ask you about um, acknowledging that everyone doesn't have the similar amount of energy. And I said to you before we started recording, um, Amanda, that I often self-weed myself out of working with particular people like you mm. because I bundle you up in my head with all of the other um, woo deliverers that energy, with that concept that energy is infinite. Mm. Um, and I thought, you know, for listeners who are like me, turns out like you too, with a very small amount of spoons and a lot of things asking to be scooped Mm. um, that they might have found themselves thinking like I have in the past that this is the kind of work that's never going to apply to our circumstances Mm. Um, because um, you're talking about when when we use words like um, heal, uh, as I said to you before we started recording, I always, in my head, I always feel like heal and cured are the Mm. same and it's an end goal and I know that I will never be cured so therefore can I ever be healed? This, oh, this work is just too, it's just too out there. It's not for people like me, but you've kind of changed my mind during this episode. (laughs) What can you say to the people who are listening, who feel like that's them, feel like they are already um, doing something they love, but being pulled in multiple directions, but they know that they have an ironclad boundary that, um, you know, they have five hours a day to do stuff in. That's it. Yep. I think, look, I've, I've been there. I've been on the receiving end of that. I think I probably spent a good 10 years, like I was told so many times, oh, if you just help, healed this underlying block or this underlying energy or released that past life component, you know, you won't be in pain anymore. And I genuinely tried all the things for that, okay? And, yes, am I more functional now than before I came across energy healing and awareness and mindset? 100%. Am I 100% cured? No. And so I actually had to go through this grieving process of A, thinking I was a shitty healer because I couldn't heal myself fully. (laughs) Um, And also thinking, well, what, what is it that I do and how, 
how does this work? And that's when I came to the conclusion that healing is not about being some able person's measure of success, right? It's about your highest level of success. So for me, if I can support my clients fully without burning out, if I can have the energy to, you know, for my kids to download to me at the end of the night, if I have time to connect with my partner and do fun things, that for me is success. Mm-hmm. If I'm not in excruciating pain, you know, having to see the chiropractor three times a week, that is success for me. Yeah. That, that's a very different measure of success to someone who is fully able-bodied and is able to, you know, do all the things. So I think really it's about honouring all of you and then finding the ways that work for you. And for some people, for me, it was Reiki. For other people, it's meditation. For other people, it's yoga. For other, it's not even about a single modality. It's literally giving yourself permission to find what works for you and to explore that because I don't think, and people, look, people have healed miraculously for all sorts, sorts of stuff. And I don't say that that's not possible. I, I'm still open to that as a possibility for myself, but I'm now 40. <laughs> so, you know, and I've done yeah. a lot of all the things. Yeah. But for me, I have truly healed so many layers that were, were in the way before that I would never have done had I not had mindfulness, healing, um, energy, work, all of that sort of thing. But I've now let go of, like you said, the cure being the end goal because it may not happen. And I I just don't think it's fair for people to feel that sense of failure that I felt because I can't fully be pain-free. Like, I don't know if you can relate to this, but there is this often this sense of, oh my gosh, like, oh, I can't do what everyone else can do. And you know, I'm a burden on other people and, you know, I, I'll never be able to X, Y, Z. Like there's yeah. this thing that comes with any chronic condition. And if you don't find ways to feel enough in our imperfect bodies, then what kind of life is that? Yeah, that's so, brilliant. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we, should, um, we should get together one time and, and um, compare and contrast all the weird and wonderful things we've done to ourselves yes. in the name of healing. In the name of healing. Yeah, I've but done think- some great stuff. (laughs) I think we've all done all the things. Um, And I love hearing other people's definitely as well. And that's the thing as well. I think normalizing that not all of us are fully able-bodied and really having these conversations is so important because you do see the picture perfect people of business success don't often. Yeah. Well, when I look at you, I see shiny, shiny light Healy lady. There's no, like, there's no outside indicator that, um, that you would be struggling in any level. And you're exactly right. All those tiny little things where you feel like a burden. Like sometimes I go to speak at places and I feel like it's such, it's not a chore. It's, it like hurts my heart to have to say, yes, I can speak on stage for an hour, but straight afterwards I need a chair and I need someone to bring me a cup of tea and I'm happy to sit around and talk, but I can't then, you know, stand at a, uh, cocktail party for another three hours and talk to all of your people. Yeah. And I just, uh, and, and it, it just those tiny, and you know, there are a million of those, but yeah. they're those tiny little things that just undermine your feeling of worth for yeah. that person who's asking you to come and do the thing. 
Absolutely. You're, you're being, um, you know, you're being troublesome. You're being um, uh, a troublesome lady or, a, you know, and this is the other thing. It's, it comes back to, again, the perception that we have to be good. People don't put others out and things like that. Yes. And when you have a chronic condition, you, you have to really yeah. advocate for yourself. You especially do. You when it's invisible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your, so much of your backstory too in this. I think that was really helpful. It was uh, like, I joke all the time that these are therapy sessions, these podcast episodes for me. Um, I (laughs) certainly got a lot out of that. that. (laughs) So, um, but putting my copywriter hat on here, I love a bit of education and I love self-realization for our listeners, but I always like to encourage them to do a thing. Um, And luckily for us, you've promised us a couple of simple ideas to shift out of that puddle of, I'm getting too close to the burning down my house without, as you promise, without meditating for three hours a day, giving up sugar or becoming anyone other than who we already are. So can you hit us up with those? Yeah, sure. It's really simple. The first thing I suggest is like three simple steps. Okay. So it's notice, acknowledge and heal. Now this looks different for everybody, but if you simply remember these three words in any given situation where you start to feel stuck, overwhelmed, um, or, out of sorts, I guess, or disconnected, the notice is actually stopping to say, hey, something doesn't feel right. And we've all done that thing where we've kind of noticed our backs a bit out, but we continue to push through. And this is for for business, the same thing. We notice that something's stretching us beyond our comfortable limits, but we're just going to do it anyway. And that's when (laughs) usually things turn a little bit pear-shaped. So the next, the first key is to actually notice because we can ignore things really easily in our business and in our life and in our energy. The next step is to acknowledge. And so that's to really be in the messy middle where we go, oh crap, (laughs) I've gone too far. I'm booking that chiropractic appointment or I am outsourcing this particular task because it's going to break me. Okay. And it's all the feelings come in that, in this second step where you feel the failure, where you feel the disappointment, where you feel the anger, the frustration. I really do call this bit the messy middle, but it's also the essential bit because without, you know, you can notice forever and not actually do anything about it, right? (laughs) So the acknowledgement is where the the crappy feelings come in and the messy bit, but it's also where your power comes back. And so that leads on to the heal. So healing in the, you know, the the scene of your back would be going to see your chiropractor, going to have your massage, going to do your therapy, swim or whatever. In your business, healing might be getting a mentor to support you with the the next step that you're stuck on, especially with business stuff. I think when we get into that acknowledged space, we often again feel into how how are we going to get out of this? Because we just don't know, or we wouldn't be there. (laughs) So the heal stage in a business component is finding the right person to get you to that next step. So whether it is your VA, whether it is having a mentor help you, whether it is joining that mastermind that supports you in the same, in the framework that you need. The healing part is the action that helps facilitate the transformation. So those are three little steps. And this is something I teach through all of my stuff. It's really powerful if you have a feel into and a play into it. That's Um, brilliant. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for putting your energy into um, getting so crisp with me today, Amanda. It's been a little eye-opening, I have to say. I've reworked some perceptions that I had (laughs) so thank you thank you thank you thank you um 
I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna tell you about Amanda um, now. So, but before I go, this one is for my chronically ill friends. Um, I'm I'm taking us out today with May Your Day Be So Crisp. So May Your Day Be So Crisp, as crisp as those singular days you wake up and think oh, here's that moment where I don't feel pain yet, where I have fresh ideas, where I'm inspired to do something beautiful and I know I've got the grit to follow through with it. They're rare, but may you have one soon. Beautiful. This has been so crisp, but my guest has been Amanda Freeman, energy alchemist who helps women entrepreneurs heal and reclaim themselves from old stories, beliefs and societal expectations. In a safe, supported space, they can conquer their fears and develop sky-high confidence in order to make powerful, intuitive life and business decisions with clarity and alignment. Don't we all need that? Thank you, Amanda. No worries. Thank you. You've been listening to So Crisp with copywriter, copy coach and consultant Jay Crisp Crow. If you've loved this episode, get all the juicy details and links at crispcopy.com.au forward slash podcast. Make sure you never miss a bite by subscribing to So Crisp wherever you get your podcasts. Want to help us spread the deliciousness? Rate and review this show and share with your mates. Remember, if there's a copy question you want nibbled at, email me straight away right now.